Views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Radio on this Wednesday night here on the Black Talk Radio Network. Today's date is June the 26th, 2019, and we do have a special guest lined up uh, to share some information with us tonight. Of course, New Abolitionist Radio is hosted by yours truly. Uh, my name is Scotty Reed. I'm the founder of Black Talk Radio Network and the North Carolina nonprofit Black Talk Media Project. Uh, on the panel with me is Tyson McCullum and Mother Khadijah of Spru- uh, Prison Street Talk Ministries, as well as Maxwell Melvins, a Grammy-nominated artist who represents the Lifers Group. New Abolitionist Radio focuses on 21st century slavery and human trafficking via the 13th Amendment, what many refer to as mass incarceration, we refer to as a continuation of slavery. Tonight, our special guest is Mr. James Burns. He is the CEO of Black Fathers Connected, and he'll be joining our panel discussion as he points out some of the underlying issues that relate to mental illness in the prison system, as well as addressing other concerns. In addition, as always, our discussion will be centered around abolishing the 13th Amendment to end legalized slavery. So once again, good evening. Let me go ahead and unmute our panel and uh, get them on the board. By the way, if you have a question or a comment uh, uh, pertaining to anything we're discussing tonight, you can give us a call at 704-802-5056. That's 704 Hit the star key twice on your keypad. That'll signal me, and then I'll bring you on. As always, please watch your background noises. We try to preserve the quality of the broadcast. All right, good good evening, panel. Hey, good good evening. Good evening, evening, brother Scotty. Good evening, Mr. Burns. How's everybody? Good evening. Great, man. Thank you for having me on. Doing, the, I'm doing the best I can as always under these conditions. Um, be, 
Before we get started, uh, Mr. Burns, our, our first time guest, whenever we have someone who, who has never appeared on the broadcast before, I like right. to always start off by asking them a question about the 13th Amendment. Um, as, as I stated, um, you know, we believe that the 13th Amendment did not abolish slavery um, by reading the 13th Amendment. So I want to read the 13th Amendment and ask you, are you in agreement with us uh, in our interpretation that the 13th Amendment did not completely abolish slavery? So it goes, Section 1, it's neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. And Section 2 just simply says, Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. Do you agree with our interpretation? Absolutely, yes. Um, more so, uh, I think for me, uh, Scotty, uh, I understand your interpretation, but again, the, the big uh, angle there that I see is that the, the, the mental illness that it causes uh, these guys that are in prison. And uh, how, what, are, what are we doing to, to treat that, to address that? Uh, you have to understand, and I think most of the listeners are understand, particularly as men, uh, when, when we grow up and, and there's, a, there's a hurdle to cross, we are always told, oh, you'll be okay, get over it. Well, in that environment, you know, I just feel like that, uh, you know, there's a, there's a heightened sense of, of not feeling that way and communicating and, and getting things off. So that mental illness plays a heavy, heavy role in that. So. I don't see uh, that being treated. I just, and then they were putting uh, these individuals, uh, you know, back in the community, and uh, they don't have those coping mechanisms. Right. So that's a that's a that's a huge deal to me. Right. Exactly. Now, when you refer to mental illness, now let me ask you this: uh, This is Maxwell. Uh, yes. Mental illnesses sometimes can be brought on in many forms as a result of being incarcerated. Itself can bring about, even though. Before some of us even get there, we suffer from mental illnesses, uh, genetical reasons, uh, uh, intergenerational passings, and all that. We suffer from those things. But as a result of an environmental factor, can bring yes. it on. Do you agree with Absolutely. me? I agree with and you. What, so, and the reason well, the that I'm able to expound on that, because I spent 33 years in there, and I have my own issues, and I deal with issues every day out here. And from the fact of being traumatized from many of the events that I've experienced in there over 33 years period of time, it's not something that's just not going to go away. I deal with different things every day. And, Absolutely. Uh, you Absolutely. Know, and, and uh, one of the serious issues in there is how the people with mental illnesses are treated. When I say treated, I'm talking about by the staff. When a lot of them have to receive certain training and different things, they have special units and houses, housing for mental illnesses, but some of the officers do not go by the code of that and will address them as they address anybody else in there. Well, one thing, yeah, one thing you have to understand, and for the listeners, let me back up just a little bit and just lay a foundation on mental illness yes. and injury. It's also called a mental health disorder, okay? So be cognizant of that. Uh, yeah. And when we say that, we're referring to a wide range of mental health conditions, as you just explained, right? Yeah. So disorders that kind of affect your mood, that's a big deal, right? Think yeah. about the environment 
that these uh, that the uh, incarcerated are in. Think about that environment in general, right? So it's yes. going to affect your mood. It's going to affect your thinking and your behavior, right? Yes. In general. Also, keep in mind that as men, for the for the for, for the for the audience, as men, we're raised on uh, one rule: oh, get over it, you'll be okay, right? We don't yes. want to talk about it. You don't have to express yourself. Let's not let's not converse between each other and figure out how we can work this out and make it better. Just get over yes. it, right? So that that thinking and that behavior is examples of mental illness, and it includes a lot of things. Yes. So let's not let's not step around the facts, okay? It includes yes. depression, right? Even exactly. if you're in that environment, right? It includes depression. Uh, mm-hmm. There's anxiety disorders, right? That it includes yes. schizophrenia. All these things are relevant when you talk about mental illness. Think yes. about the environment that these the, the incarcerated are in. Think about that environment in general, right? Yeah. You wouldn't think that someone would have an eating disorder, right? In that yes. environment, right? They'll be looking forward to to every every option to, to eat, right? But yes. it's it's true. It, it holds true. Uh, there's a lot of addictive behaviors when it comes yes. to mental illness, and so that's what I want people to understand. Think about yes. this, right? We've all seen the TV shows and. Uh, you know, I've never been in that environment, so I can't speak to the true nature of it. But when you see these shows and they they depict, you know, some of them on drugs and doing these kind of things and they get addicted, it's an addictive behavior. Mental illness is addictive behavior. Now, yeah. you have to have the properly trained staff available, right, to treat it. Yeah. Back to your point, if that's not the case, then what happens as it lingers on and on and on and on and on, Right. And let's say it's yeah. lingering on for 30 years. Yeah. Let's say it's lingering on for 35 years. And now we're letting this individual, now this individual's out, they're back in the community, and that hasn't been treated for 35 years, 36 yeah. years. It hasn't yeah. been treated. What yeah. is the expectation when you, what is the expectation of this individual? They don't have the coping mechanisms to deal with it, right? They haven't well, been properly. You're exactly right. You say, what is the expected expectation? The expectation of society is you went in there, we expected you to be rehabilitated. We expected you to learn your lesson. Set aside of not getting into all the psychological aspects of it or anything, and the public of not having no understanding of of, 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 of the depths of what, what, what it's all, you know, consumes around and what it's really about. The public Absolutely. has no real clue. So that is the expectation of the public, that you went in there, you learned your lesson, and that's it. They don't think in terms of all the other aspects, as you just mentioned just now. They don't think in terms of that way. No. And, and, and so truth be told, right, unless you've been in that environment, you're not going to think about it. Let's just, let's just tell yeah. the truth. Let's not beat around yeah. the bush, right? Yeah. All right? Unless you've been in that environment, what is your, you know, what is your, what is your knowledge on, on, on the true sense of it, Right. And one of the other things is being traumatized can bring on mental mental health issues, too, from the traumatization of incarceration or the previous things that affected you before you went to there. There's another thing that can bring on all these things, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And and, and there's a lot of concern from time to time with this, guys. Okay, so mental illness, you know, back to your point, when, when when you're not being properly treated, uh, are cared for by someone who's properly trained. So I digress. Let, yeah. me, let me back up. When you're not being cared for by someone who's properly trained, how are they going to identify the ongoing signs and symptoms that cause you know that frequent stress? 
and affect your ability to function. How are they going to determine that? They're not. They're not. That's the answer, yeah. right? Or they yeah. haven't. I'm not going to say they're not. Uh, I'm going to say yeah. from what I've heard and what I've learned and whom I've listened with, yeah. they haven't. So, I mean, you yeah. can speak more to that than I can, of course. But that's yeah. one thing you have to keep in mind. If if you put me in an environment that I'm untrained to to, 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 to manage, yeah. what is the expectation of those that I'm managing? All right. Let me, say, let me just make a quote on that. The people closest to the problem are the people with the solution that are closest to the problem. And right. That's are the closest. And when you sit behind these closed doors and the people that should be at the table instead of these doctors with all these various degrees and yeah. all that who haven't shared a day are just going on book knowledge and what they were taught in college and have no personal experience, that's why the people that have been there need to be brought to the table in policy making different things is why yeah, they need yeah. to be brought to the table in this you know changing that and implementing let, all these various things let, let me mention a former guest he also has a, a book out called i think it's called how to get away with murder actually um, <laughs> it's the book it's the book about it's a, the book about Daryl Rainey the Florida inmate who was yeah. bo- boiled to death uh, in a shower, a hot shower, yeah, where yeah. George, George yeah, Malincrot, yeah, yeah. yeah, George Malincrot is, you know, works in that in that uh, mental health field, and he was in yeah. the prison, and he's the one that's yeah. tell, telling the story. Um, you know, it was earlier mentioned, and, and I agree agree with you, Mr. Burns, you know, unless you've been in, in that environment, it's kind of hard to speak to it. Um, I, ne- I haven't been in prison, but I've been in jail. You know, if I went to jail on a Friday night for something stupid like driving with no license or something, and then I can't get out to Monday, even that yeah. little small experience of being in that cell, I could yeah. feel, I felt oppressed. I felt claustrophobic. Right. I could feel pressure on my forehead from being in that environment. So I, 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 I can imagine that it's probably a thousand times worse in the prisons yeah. and people who spent time in there like Max. So I, I just wanted but to I, add Let that. me say this to you, Brother Scotty, uh, not to interrupt you, but there are some scholars and people who have not been in there that can expound or elaborate on it that who has a heart, a true heart, from a, 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 a personal observation of working in there that can also expound on what we actually live to a degree. There like are like a George Malin cry. Yeah, because yeah, George worked in the prison. So yeah, he, yeah, he could right. speak to that. But please continue. Yeah. I, I'm going to listen to you guys talk. Yeah. Right. Uh, Go ahead, my brother. So one thing I'll say is my, my daughter Tasha, she's actually a corrections officer in Georgia. Yeah. Uh, so we, we talk about this a lot. Uh, she just, yeah. she's uh uh, she's a two-year officer, I believe, at the prison there in Georgia, and we talk about this a lot. Uh, and I ask her, you know, questions, and I say, well, how, what is, what's the coping mechanism that, that's being used? Yeah. And I, I kind of already thought I knew the answer, right? You're yeah. uh, a combination of medications, right? But I think the part, back to your point, was that the, the, the talk therapy may not be happening by someone who's, a, who's one, trained, trained mm-hmm. professionally trained, and that's their lane, and two, yeah. have that have that experience, right? Have that skill set yeah. to go in and, and talk with, I mean, with all the individual uh, different personalities. I think that's, yeah. a, that's a huge piece of that, right? 
that's a huge piece of that, if you ask me. And you're talking thousands of you're talking thousands of personalities. Yeah, thousands of different, and some may be schizophrenic, right? So yeah, exactly, you, exactly. You may meet Sociopath, one person, psychopath, sociopath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so that mental illness part is 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 a part that I feel, you know, Scotty. That you know, like I talk to my daughter all the time. When she first became a corrections officer, she would, she would always call me at the same time every day, and I knew she was getting off shift, and it kind of made me feel good to, to hear her voice. But, okay, she just started at 6 p.m. She calls me, uh, and then sometimes I would be in class teaching, and I'd see the phone ring, and I'd, you know, I'd have a sigh of relief, right? And I'm not even there. Could you imagine someone who's going understand with the understanding that, hey, this is going to be in my environment for the next five, ten years, or whatever it can be? You said uh, – yeah. You know, you, you go into jail over the weekend, and automatically yeah. you you feel it a little bit, do you not? I would imagine. I think I heard you say that. Yeah. Uh, could you imagine yes. someone going yes, into the environment and uh, knowing that, hey, this is this is where I'm going to be for the next two, three, four, five years, right? Yeah. I I, I think it's just a heavy weight, right? And yeah. uh, I think it's just a heavy weight. And and as I think about all the symptoms that can affect. You know your thoughts, your behaviors, or emotions, and all of these kind of things. It gets compounded yeah. over time, does it not? It's not like you have this feeling and then it goes away, and then another one comes on. They're compounded. Exactly. They're taught a lot of times as correction officers. What they're taught and training it varies from state to state. Right. If it's proper training, they're going to be taught. These are clients. Or whatever, but in other ones, these are animals. And by your daughter, she's going to have to. She's going to be shocked by a lot of the things, despite everything she's heard. She's going to yeah. be shocked by a lot of events, no matter how much training and prep she had before that, because there's mm-hmm. going to be situations that she could have never imagined mm-hmm. in her yeah, lifetime. It's like a guy sure. walking up to another guy and just stabbing him twenty times, or an officer, or anything. So. It's like every well, day she's, she's going to experience something different every day that she couldn't imagine in a lifetime. Well, you not only have, uh, you know, suicidal thoughts, you got reverse suicidal thoughts. It's, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this to someone, but not to yeah. me. And then yeah. the schizophrenia side of you say, oh, it's five yeah. of me, and it's one yeah. of him. Between the yeah. five of us, we can, we can do this to that person. It's one to five. So that schizophrenia, okay. people have to understand that schizophrenia thing is a solid mind state that you're in for a period or a duration of time. And no yeah. one dictates that time, just that person's yeah. mind. So you have yeah. to understand that. So sometimes when you see these off-the-wall shows on TV and they're, they're having someone depict them, they have schizophrenia and they have these different personalities, and you hear yeah. them going three or four different voices, and you say, why don't the doctor just tell this one person to stay and talk to me? It's not that easy. Oh, yeah. You know me, what, Brother Burns? Yeah, um, I was about to say Tyson, Tyson wanted to chime Tyson. in. Go ahead, Tyson. And, um, you know, one of one of the, the most severe things that brothers, you know, that's incarcerated go through, whether they're in or coming out, is PTSD. Nobody never talk about the PTSD that we go through. You know what I'm saying? You know, because I know, you know what I'm saying, over all the, the I done did about 20 years, so you know what I mean? Post-traumatic stress disorder is very severe and common with people who have been incarcerated for periods of time or short periods of time. You know, we, we pick up that. And I know what you, Brother Barnes, being in the military, 
you know what I'm saying, background over 13 years. So you can kind of cope with, with certain things of, of brothers that you didn't see, go through post-traumatic stresses. Or the, but we go through the same things in incarceration, too, because it's like that's a battlefield, too, as well. You know what I'm saying? Protecting yourself, watching your back, making sure you don't a have combat anything, zone. things like that. So, you know, it's, 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 that's another severe case that that doesn't really yeah. get touched on, which is a, a mental health condition. Is no, it's, 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 no, it's touched on, bro. No, they understand it. Yeah. They have an understanding. It's been, it's touched on. Today, it's been, it's, it's touched on. Uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome is, 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 is something that's deeply throughout the country and all these organizations, bro. It's, it's being touched on. They have a, a better understanding of it right now. But and like I, I said, Maxwell, you know, because yeah, I think Tyson and Tyson don't don't let me put words in your mouth, but I think you're speaking of the people that's in the system are not, you know, really looking at it as PTSD as well. Now I no, get what you're No, that's a fact. That's a fact. Hold on, hold on. That's a fact, Scotty. Because what I'm saying is, they're not addressing it. They're looking at it as an act of behavior being acted out. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. You know, they're, they're not looking at it as, you know, being able to, listen, they don't provide you with the proper medical treatment, and they don't provide you with the proper psychiatric treatment as well. You know what I'm saying? Their mm-hmm. solution to the problem is not really finding the root of the problem, it's just giving you medication and keep you doped up. And, and the stuff that they're giving these brothers and sisters is really, is, really, is really, really impairing them to the point they are turning to vegetables. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm saying. And and, yeah. and and Maxwell, you know how many brothers you knew that was straight when they started taking that medication? They started yeah. walking around like many, zombies. Many, 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 many. So, so this is this is this is the issue that I'm talking about, Scotty. They do do not touch it, touch on these. It's they consider that when when a person is going through these things, depression, post traumatic stress, or it's an act of violence or act to be able to act out. And they and, and you know the first thing they say, or they looking for some attention. Mm. You know what I'm saying? No. These people are severely going through issues. I just talked to two of my brothers. One of my brothers got 60 years, and my other brother got 55. I just talked to them today about the concerns and um and 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 the, the conditions that they're going through. One of my brothers had a great bill of health. You know what I'm saying? Due to the conditions of how they got them living, he had to have a knee surgery. He's in a, in 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 a um, medical ward right now after just having a knee surgery. Yeah. Like. People don't understand that when you start going through these mental issues and these 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 um depressions and PTSD, it start breaking down your body to where your body start becoming, mm. you know what I'm saying, effective to 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 health issues. Yeah, you know, and because you're not it, being treated yeah, right. Yeah, it, yeah, it's trigger. It triggers other aspects. It triggers other things in you. But what is well, what, 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 what would the public normally say? The public, well, would, what the public opinion would normally be, look, if you don't go to prison, these things wouldn't happen. That's always the, the public thing, right? Far from the truth. No, but that's the, always their thing. The public, a lot of yeah. yeah if you don't go, Absolutely. yeah, you know, that's always their thing. If you don't go to prison, you don't have to worry about all these things. Well, Mr. But Burns. Again, you tie it back to what? Prison slavery. The thirteenth Amendment, you tied all back to there. Most wouldn't be where they are right now if it weren't for that right now. And the prison. Can I give everybody a key word because I I like so 
I just want to throw a key word in there so everyone that's listening can understand about PTSD. Yeah. So being in the military, of course, I, I was in three wars, right? I've seen, yeah. I went wow. over with buddies who did. I, I was. I went over with buddies who didn't come back. I was in Haiti. Uh, I was in uh, 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 Panama uh, Operation Just Cause, and of course, I was in Kuwait uh, for all three wars. Yeah. I went over with brothers who didn't come back, and yeah. I distinctly remember a brother. I'm not going to say his name, yeah. but I think he suffered from PTSD. I really wasn't abreast to it then as I am now, yeah. but he was just fine. But you can tell he was stressed. But the thing that jumped out at me as him is he always wanted to be by himself. Mm. He never wanted to be around anyone. As myself. myself. I want to throw this word out there to everyone. Detachment. When you think about PTSD, think about detachment. Because that is one of the first symptoms of PTSD is detachment from others. They don't want to be around others. But long story short, when this gentleman came back, when we came back from from, from the war, unfortunately – this gentleman jumped in a car on a Saturday morning, drove to the top of a hill, and took his own life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. uh, so we have to think about. There's a myriad of complicated reasons why why that's the case, but yeah. often those with PTSD are afraid of how they may behave in front or around other people. So you have to understand where the detachment comes from. Mm, so they yeah. literally worry about they might become angry. They're just as concerned. Someone that may be suffering from PTSD. They may be just as concerned about becoming angry or reacting differently to something that a normal occurrence, right? Minimal, They're something more, minimal to the average person. Minimal. Yeah, I can walk by and step on your shoe and say, "Oh, excuse me, my fault, brother." And you say, "All right, man, no big deal," right? But yeah. someone from PTSD, yeah. even though that's a normal occurrence and it happens often, yeah. may, they may act strangely to it. So I want everyone to to kind of remember that when they think about PTSD. Think of the word detachment. That's one of the first symptoms of it. Right, yeah. right. Because, you know, I'm not going to share any names, but I just had a conversation uh, with someone who was dealing with a loved one and and they was wanting to, trying to understand why this person wanted to be alone after they'd been apart from their loved one for so long. And it's that PTSD. Yeah. They have, they, they want to be alone. And, um, but let, let, let me touch upon, um, um, Mental about mental health. Now, I don't have the information in front of me, but I've heard this and perhaps y'all can help me. But I heard that during the Reagan administration is when they really started cutting services for public mental health treatment. And as a result, people with mental health issues then started finding themselves in the criminal justice system and in prison. Whereas if we were a just society trying to take care of people and and help them, you know, um, without taking away their freedom that we will provide the services for them to get, you know, that help that leads them to maybe commit an act of violence that leads them into prison. How much do you know about that, uh, uh, Mr. Burns, about, you know, untreated mental illnesses leading people to prison? And it's not necessarily because they're criminal. It's because they have these issues. Well, well, the service was cut out. If you go back to the Reagan administration and look at some of the bills that were cut out, at the end of his administration, that was the beginning of the downside of all the social organizations we have and services we have to take. And it's continued. I think during the Clinton administration, yeah. there were some bills that were passed that kind of refunded some of those efforts. Yeah. Um, but, but you remember were- why. You remember why, though. 
that they all uh, took the funding because Reagan was the first one that implemented and put all those billions into the war on drugs. Remember? He wanted to rid the excuse of mental health, this and that, and he disbursed all that funding and all that stuff. That's one so, of the reasons. And that was going to be my next point. He redirected those funds to the to the war on drugs. I'll, I'll leave it there. Yeah, um, exactly. And it, he redirected those funds to the to the war on drugs and all the embarkation of drugs in our coast. You know, we had Miami, Haiti, all these people that were importing all these goods. Uh, well, you know, forty percent of those containers are, were, were filled with with, uh, with drugs. Let's just be honest. And so, a lot of those funds were redirected to that. Mm. Right, so that's one of the reasons. Mm. But um, if you think forward to the Clinton administration, some of those uh, some of those services were reinstated, uh, and then they became uh, state and federal services, like uh, DSS and all those things. They started to get those funds, and then they started to implement programs. But the mental health, I, I think, kind of missed the boat there at, at some point. Mm. Mm. Um, it's one thing while it's still on my mind when you were mentioning those television shows um, you know you got different ones um, I can't think of any other names of them because I don't watch them um, but I have covered it as an issue and I took I take issue with those shows because they're another form of exploitation of those prisoners um, I, 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 yeah, y'all might yeah, know Mo- yeah. Monique the um the comedian Monique yeah Monique I actually had some interactions with her on Twitter and where she was talking about how you know she went into prison and she did this comedy special and all of this and that you know and they were they had an hour to laugh and joke and all that and I was like but but did any money of that money that you and the producers made off of that comedy special inside of a prison get directed back to that prison to pay for any kind of services that the prisoners need? And and I say the same thing about these television shows that are based inside yeah. the prisons. You're making all this money. And all you're doing is profiting off of prison slavery as well and exploiting these. And and it's just sad that many of us, many many, uh, uh, citizens on the outside, we look at that as a form of entertainment. But, Brother Scotty, I can can definitely respond to that, being in a position of where I was and making decisions as far as with my group, my lifeless group. What I did is it was incorporated to a 50C3 any TV show from 2020 or anybody that came in there to do an interview on me had to donate to my organization. It was a part, I did a contract that they would donate something back to our program so that we continue to run our program. That's something that I incorporated. But also, behind the scenes sometimes, as in when Sylvester Stallone Spike Lee and all of them went in there to shoot those movies. Uh, so I'm going to give an example. Sylvester Stallone built a brand new running track for the whole prison system in Rawway State Prison. Mm. So, directly, the prisoners do benefit in a way, and the officers benefit, because when you have these excellent curricular activities come in, uh, officers are called in for overtime because they can't use the day-to-day operating officers 
So they also benefit. Yeah. Now, I understand what you're saying, Maxwell, in those individual cases, but I don't think yeah. that's the norm. You know, with these big uh, cable channels yeah, to, that are, yeah. are producing these programs. Now, last week, we, not last week, but the week before last, our guest was Mr. Yeah. Five Malin Ock um, of yeah. Incarcerated Nation Corporation. And he really focused on fighting uh, solitary confinement. I mean, the brother had yeah. the brother has a, a lot of different projects addressing different yes, issues, but he also worked with the United Nations, and they focused on you know torture and so, and solitary yeah. confinement being a torture. Yeah. As I was listening, yeah. you know, to our brother Tyson speak about you know how they don't give you the proper treatment, you know, and and they'll say, oh, you just looking for attention or something like that, or they dope you up. One of the other things they do when these people act out is throw them in a solitary confinement, which then just makes it makes it worse so you know um the the international uh community has um you know you had the uh guy the uh, special rapporteur uh juan mendez who came here and you know they have the even the medical community have recognized that solitary confinement is torture Okay. So in the Geneva, in the Geneva Convention is, is noted, uh, yeah. Brother Scotty also. And the Geneva Convention is noted right. uh, about uh, uh, the, the mistreatment and uh, uh, torture in prison. And that in, in, in Geneva, uh, it was made up in there amongst the United yeah. Nations and all of them. So, yeah. Mr. Burns. Hey, you know what's, Mr. You know what's crazy, Brother Scotty? Yeah, what's that? The fact that, you know, in, in a state, you know, when they, they you know, get to get out when you're on solitary confinement they get to go take a shower and things like that in federal you have your shower in your cell so you doesn't wow. you don't get out at all wow so wow. it's like just just the fact of not being able to get out your room even even just in state with that that's just a breath of fresh air being able just to step outside yourself to even walk to the shower so it's little things like that and that that makes a difference. Like being able to just step out your room for a couple of minutes, whether it's walking to the shower just to get out the cell. You know what I'm saying? In federal, you don't get out the cell. You know, you in there, 23 and 1. You know, so, it's, it, you know, like that, it, it really do something to a person. And then you have some prisons where you may be the only one in the cell. You have nobody to talk to. And yeah. just imagine just being there 23 hours in a day wow. in a cell by yourself Nothing yeah. to do, barely got no paper, you know, and and barely had the necessities that you need to be able to do what you got to do. Yeah. So it's like no entertainment. They barely want to send around the books to give you a book to read. So it's like, yeah. it's like, and then I want to just go back a little bit about what you were saying, yeah. Brother Scotty, because you was right about the funding. Even when prisons get funded and it's supposed to be inmate funding, they still do not use the funding properly because it was times that we needed basketballs and we couldn't even have a basketball. Mm. It was times that they were supposed to come around and provide us with board games. Because there was, a diversion. No board games. there was a diversion of funding that might have went into the overtime because they needed the equipment, bulletproof vests, and all that. Wow. So it was a uh, mismanagement of funding where they mismanaged it and took it from this department, switched it over to this department on the code A B D C or whatever. And yeah, they even took they even took the funding, right, that they had to pay 
to pay us for the job. Like, I when I just came from the feds, right, they had a big meeting about how they was going to pay us. But, you know, the officers who managed the kitchen was actually actually with some, some good officers because they, they kept us posted and they let us know, listen, guys, we don't know how we're going to pay y'all because they cutting our funding for pay for y'all. Now, we yeah. doing jobs as far as cooking for 1,500 people and wow. you don't know how you're going to pay us because you, you're trying to keep keep your officers from getting fired because they were saying yeah. you cut staff of cut yeah. payment inside the prison. Wow. So that, that's, that's crazy. You got people yeah. working working in ninety degree sun, you know, doing yeah. law wow. service to keep to yeah. keep your prison up, and you don't know how to pay these people. So they exactly. started trying to make us work for free, started trying to make people um work for free, or they was gonna get a write up, things like yeah. that. So wow. it's, yeah. it's it's crazy that they providing this funding, yeah. and, and you have no no nothing to show for. It. Like where where yeah. where's our funding? They already dipping yeah. us out of money. I would like yeah, to. I, I would like to get Mr. Burns' comments on his thoughts yeah. on a solitary confinement. Yeah, I I was just thinking about that. Uh, again, it's just one of those things, man. Where you know the Geneva Convention clearly mentioned mentions uh, be no harsh, no harsh confinement or no harsh or cruel confinement the way that the, the Geneva Convention mentioned. Yeah. Uh, and to me, again, not seeing the environment, being in the environment, I could imagine being in this close, tight space. I heard a gentleman earlier say 23 and 1. I would imagine that means yeah. that even when you're in your cell, you're locked up 23 hours and you may get an hour out uh, yeah. to eat or to exercise or whatever. Uh, but if we think about solitary confinement in my mind, and keep that in mind, I'm on the outside looking in, right? That That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's, that's a, a more confined space, right? Yeah. Uh, you have no one to converse with, no one to talk with. You have an extreme, extreme mood changes. You know they can go highs or lows, and then all of these things aren't being dealt with. To me, that's uh, uh, you know that's, that 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 fits yeah. right in with the Geneva Convention. Said, if you go back and read the Geneva Convention, it mentions. I, I'm very familiar with it, but brother Scotty, I have to keep it real with y'all. I'm gonna say something to y'all. Okay. You call me crazy, whatever. I did six years in solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. I was on the flat, on a rock. I slept on a uh, a big, thick concrete. I was in like, when I say solitary, it was beyond solitary confinement. It was beyond the rock. You were in a cage. And let me say something. Solitary confinement can be different for each individual. Some it may affect in one way. Some it may affect in another way. I'm going to tell you what administrative segregation did for me. Being administrative segregation for the years that I was in there, helped me to discover something about myself and my creative self. Because it, being alone and everything, and away from everything, gave me a chance to deal with me and to learn who I was. I'm just telling you about me. Right. But, but do you think that's the case because you as an individual had a much stronger and prepared mind to deal with that? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's, exactly, that's what I'm saying. So it affects everybody different. Now, I didn't watch guys police suit up, put on riot gear, and guys just flipped out. I used to watch them every day. Just flip out. They couldn't handle it no more. They just flip out. Then they would go in. They beat them down. No type of treatment, not realizing this guy just flipped out. I'm telling you what I've seen firsthand. Mm. Day to day, it affected. But it did not affect me the way it affected us. 
Right. So it may have, have a different effect, but I would say the majority, it will affect them in that way. Me, it didn't affect them that way because it gave me a chance to get inside myself and discover who I was. And it, 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 it helped me to develop my creative side of myself. Okay. Right. But at the same time, I was depressed in there. I was depressed in there. Now, don't get me wrong, but I'm saying it also helped me find other sides of myself. I'm just telling you yeah, maybe how to help you find sides of yourself, but right. at the same time, it created yeah. a comfort zone for you to be anti-sociable as well. So you got the yeah. good, you got the upsides and the downsides. So yeah, exactly. You know exactly. That's so what I'm there's saying. always like prison prison confinement is. I don't care how strong your mind is, it still creates some type of dysfunction in a person because okay. if I, like like me. I'm, well, I mean, it created an anti-sociability in me. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I didn't really want to deal with people unless I wanted to deal with you. Yeah, exactly. That's but true. I had yes, to get I... back into the mentality, just like you, Maxwell. I had to get back into yeah. that mentality is that, I right, listen, in order to deal with life, I have to be able to deal with people on an everyday basis. You know what I'm saying? It do create a side effect. You know but I didn't understand you? why I was the way I was, you know, like right. that isolation away from, I didn't understand that two years understand. later. Two years later, I started to understand why am I the way I am. I can be all right around people. I'm totally satisfied around nobody. I didn't understand that. But I'm telling you, of the upside and the downside, I just have to be real with y'all. Yeah, you know? I, we understand what you're talking about, you your you know personality and and yeah. you know your experience uh but not yeah. to say that that's the experience that most other people are going to have no they don't i would say no most don't most don't i'm not saying i was one of the better ones i don't know how i got through it or what but i did right and we glad no, you did max we glad and 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 then just just to switch gears uh before we switch gears cuz i definitely want Mr. Burns yeah. to uh, talk more to us about his organization um, exactly. and, and the work that it's involved in. But I was just reading um, the other day about a recent Supreme Court uh, decision. Um, forgive me if I forget the state. I believe it was yeah. Mississippi. But this brother had been charged with murder and Six and, and the reason was that the Supreme Court is that the state courts and then the appeal courts had ruled that his rights had been violated because the prosecutor was uh, uh, practicing racism in, in using his preemptory strikes on jurors to strike black people off the juries yeah. and what have you. And yeah. then this same prosecutor, you know, uh, 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 when he didn't get a conviction, sometimes it, he got a conviction, then it got overturned on appeal. Um, the same prosecutor would then come back yeah. if he got a hung jury. Man, they tried this guy six times. Six times. Wow. Six <laughs> times. Now, this whole time, though, because remember, you still got to be in jail while your stuff on appeal, right? So yeah. it, it just right. reached the Supreme Court. This brother, that whole time, spent 30 years in solitary confinement. I was like, wow. oh, my God. That, that, that's wow. just. That's amazing. Wow. So, yeah. so, so Mr. Burns. Was there a conviction on acquittal, which 
on that. I didn't um, read that story. I got to go back and check that. The Supreme Court uh, ruled that the trial, you know, that the whole process was unconstitutional. His rights were being violated. Now it's probably going to be up to the state again um, to decide whether they're going to try him or if they're going to let him go. But one of the con- and one of the conservative justices, uh, <laughs> one of them that was just appointed, uh, Kavanaugh, uh, his comment was is that. The prosecutor was engaged in cartoonish racism. That's how blatant wow. it was. It was cartoonish. That's how blatant it was. So letting him go wouldn't couldn't be in the, in the, in the equation. He's already, you know, thirty wow. years 30. in solitary. He's already did thirty years. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. So he was the in it. So, Mr. Burns, um, you know, we have about 15 minutes left in the broadcast. I would like you to take this opportunity to inform our audience about your organization and and, and the mission of your organization and how, you know, it also uh, ties into the issues that we focus on. Uh, So the name of my organization, uh, you'll find it on Facebook, Black Fathers Connected, a Carolina organization. It's actually on Facebook. So if you, have, if you have Facebook, go out and search Black Fathers Connected, a Carolina organization. Go ahead and click join the group. Uh, so the group is, is it started as a social group. I wanted to get uh, us together and just talk about issues, man. I wanted to talk about fathers, dads, grandfathers, stepfathers, uh, raise some issues, concerns, maybe share some, some, some success stories within mm-hmm. the social group. Uh, but more importantly, man, I wanted people to know that there are great black fathers out here. We do exist, and we are in our child, our child's life, right? Absolutely. Listening to social media, you would think you would think you know other than that, right? Social media would lead yeah. you to believe that man, we don't exist, right? Yeah. Um, think about it. If I put a if I put a great statement out on Facebook right now of a dad who's done something yeah. extraordinary for his child, it may get four comments, five likes. But if anyone you know what? To and you know why? Let me just say this. I don't mean to interrupt yeah. you. But people, when I've mentioned that, you know what people say? What? He's supposed to do that. He ain't doing nothing great. That's his job. Well, you know, because you know, I do I do like to admire when I see fathers being great fathers. I like to admire them. And I've mentioned something to a few women. And they said yeah. he ain't doing nothing but his job. He's supposed to do it. It ain't like he's doing nothing that's extraordinary. Right. And, and, and you, hear that, you, you hear that an yeah. awful lot. And, uh, you know, I just want people to know, man, you know, I want to push it and I'm going to sing it from, from the highest mountain that there are great fathers out here, man. There are great black fathers yeah. out here. Yeah. Yeah. There are great black fathers out here who are in their child's yeah. life, uh, doing yeah. all they can do, being where they're supposed to be and creating yeah. environments. We're part of the group is we want to create environments and events where yeah. fathers can come with their kids and single moms can come with their kids and see examples. Uh, that I'm talking about because you're not going to see it on social media. You're not going to be, it's not going to be on the news. If I put a post on social media right now that, hey, this man ain't seen this child in six months, there'll be a million yeah. comments. But if I yeah. put a post out that says, hey, this yeah. man just like me has his kids every weekend, every yeah. weekend, uh, I may get one comment, one like, oh, he's supposed mm-hmm. to do it. He's right. Yeah. He is supposed yeah, exactly. to do it and he's doing it, but the acknowledgement isn't there. So the yeah, name yeah. connects. When, when I when I say black fathers connected, uh, most people think I mean connected with your child, which is not what I'm talking about here. When I say yeah. connected, I mean black fathers connected to each other, having conversations, yeah. having discussions. You guys know as well as I do. <laughs> yeah. 
you talk to any woman they ask, and you ask them, hey, what's the biggest part of, of, a, of a guy that he can improve on it? They'll say communication, right? Yeah. Because yeah. most of us don't like communicating with other men that we don't know personally, right, or intimately, yeah. like your dad, your brother, whomever. So to have yeah. conversations about our child, about our kid, with a stranger that you've connected with only on Facebook, it's a challenge for a lot of men, right? Yeah. So when I say black fathers connected, uh, that's what I'm referring to. I'm referring to me connecting to you. Hey, brother, yeah. I see what you're doing over there, man. I like that. Yeah, exactly. Hey, brother, you know, my kid plays basketball. You say your kid went to a camp. Where did he go? So yeah. we want to get on the yeah. stage, man, and just talk about it. Uh, yeah. Social groups, open discussion. Uh, again, we're going to create events that kind of uh, uh, yeah. promote what we're talking about here. Just doing events where yeah. mothers, they can bring their kids and say, wow, look at this, man. He said yeah. that he's going to, not yet, Max, he said they're going to be working uh, on, that's that's one of his uh, goals is to create these events. But let me share uh, some yeah. information with you, Mr. Burns, because, you know, I wrote an article about uh, black father involvement, and the CDC did a study that showed, and they compared uh, black fathers, Hispanic fathers, and white fathers. In every category, whether the father was in the home or whether the father was not in the same home, but in every category, black men led in spending time with their children, reading a book to their children, uh, helping their child get dressed. Uh, you know, just all kind of activities. And so there's this myth. I always push back on that myth of the absent black father. And and then just because a woman is single doesn't mean that that father is not in that child's life. Now, let me say why a personal, give you a personal reason of why such a group is needed. I I am one of the few men, let alone black men, who was successful after my divorce of getting custody of my children. Now, I did go through the courts, but the mother put her feelings, her personal feelings or animosity toward me aside, and she knew that I was in a more stable environment, that I was be the better parent. And and even though, you know, we were in process of going through the courts and letting the courts decide, she decided the best option was for those, her daughters, to be raised by their father. So I raised two daughters, of course, with the help of my my mom and my sister. But when I was in the early stages of that, and I was, you know, getting mistreated in the court, and and, uh, all these false accusations was being made towards me, I could have used a black father support group, and there were none. So I just and, wanted and to share that. That's one of the things. That's one of the things that we that, that we're that we're going to do, man. We're going to make sure we're supporting. Uh, and you know, so the one thing that you have to think is uh, with Black Fathers Connected, the mantra is the child wins. So we're not here to vilify anyone, right? We're not here to vilify either of the custodial parents, whoever they may be, or whomever they may be. Uh, but the, the mantra is, is is very simple: the child wins. So in your situation, that's a perfect example. Mom said, "Wait a minute." I understand uh, the court system, particularly in the Carolinas. They're, they're pro-mom in the Carolinas, right? Let's be honest. But mom stepped forward and said, I, I want my daughters to have a nice, healthy, productive life. And it appears as though she felt as though that would be better with you, right? Uh, you don't hear about those stories. Uh, 
uh, another another thing that you know as black fathers connected we want to highlight those kind of stories so men who are who are who are fighting for custody or custodial rights will understand that you have just as much right to co-parent or, or have custodial rights whether it is 50 percent custody and care of your child is not right uh just just keep that in mind going in and so there's there are men in the group i tell people this all the time uh when you join the social group irregardless of what your situation may be there is someone in the group who who've been through that before that can give you some advice give you some guidance and point you in the right direction particularly our younger our younger dads right our younger fathers you know believe it or not our 18 to 24 to 25 to 26 year old young men out here there are someone in the group who can point you in the right direction which is another part of what the social group is all about just have an open and honest conversation your story would motivate a lot of men I had a guy that I spoke with last month. We were talking about custodial rights. And he told me that, I said, well, do you have joint custody and joint care of your daughter? He said, no, I didn't even go to court. I just let mom take him. So how did mom feel? He said, she didn't voice anything. She didn't say I couldn't. I just didn't go. I said, what are you going to do about spending time with your daughter? He said, well, I'll just wait until she's 18, and then we'll, we'll hang out. I said, okay, how old is she? He said, she's six. I said, you're kidding me. Right? You're kidding me. She people, 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 that's why I tell these little brothers, but I said, I, I just was telling a brother the other day, I said, bro, we have rights. You have rights. You, you have, have to rights. go down there and file the paperwork. You got to fight. You have rights. To, 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 get, to get some type of rights. See, 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 most people don't understand that the courts have more respect for you when they see you are trying but you know what? It's still a catch twenty two with the courts as well because I didn't see situations where that um the mama still wasn't unfit just because she didn't bear the child, they still try to roll with the mama. So the the, the justice system when it comes to children is, is really not just but it you know, you know, I, I always go back to like to slavery where they didn't want us to be men to our children. They didn't want us to be men to our women, so and it still goes on today. It still goes on today to leave a child. So therefore, the child is is misguided, raised by the streets, go to prison. That's free money mm -hmm. for them. But yes, you have to go file that paperwork. You have to file that paperwork. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. now listen. It's just the initiative of trying to take the chance to be able to do what you need to do. Right. As long as you know you're doing what you're doing, it's right. You feel better at heart whether 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 you succeed in it or not. That's just the way I feel about situations because I had to go through a situation. I was gone most of my daughter's life. You know what I'm saying? Me, even though me and right. my mom is on good terms, this is my old daughter. My, my daughter's 17 years old now. Mm -hmm. Been gone all her life. But, like, the bond that me and her had, she, my daughter never gave up on me, which was a good thing. This is, you know what I'm saying? And that, that really really helped me yeah, get through. Amazing. Like, she never gave up on me. She never let her mom put nothing in her ear. So that was a beautiful thing. So to this day, I'm still fighting. You know what I'm saying? I never gave up my rights with my daughter. I'm on her birth certificate. Um, You know, so that's a big thing. People have to be able to be down there, sign your, your child's birth certificate, and give you equal rights. Go down into that court and fight for your children. That's the most yeah, important thing involved. that a man can do is always fight. Never give up. Exactly. I just like to add, unfortunately, 
I don't have any children. I'm 59 years old. I spent 33 years in prison. Unfortunately, I don't have any children. Mm. So, but I do have the experience of still what it is being a father because I'm a father to many out in the community. So, right, I right. I was going to say that. I, yeah. I was going to say you know, that. Yeah. That's, that's what yeah. being a mentor is. Also, yeah, is being is. a father. Yeah, that's but, very relevant. That's but, very relevant. So we should we shouldn't look at that as though it's not. It's very relevant. But we do, uh, we do have a caller. I want to get to that caller. Uh, hold on, Poochie. Exactly. Yes. Uh, Poochie, I, I, I put you on hold because we was getting background uh, feedback off of your line. But let, let me say this about what Brother Tyson said. You know, um, I, it, my my ex wife. Now she was being uh, using the children as a weapon against me. It was a whole year I didn't see them while we was going through this, even though I had court order visitation right every weekend, you know, uh, until it was decided. But she was keeping me yeah. away, wow. and they wouldn't the uh, the uh, people that was supposed to enforce that order wouldn't wouldn't enforce it. They just let her do wow. whatever she wanted to do, <laughs> and so you wow. know. Uh, um, I said to myself, even if I lose and she keeps these children away from me, at least some point when they back in my life and they ask me, well, where was you, daddy? I could at least look them in the eye and say I tried with all all I had to be in your life. And so even if you lose, at least you can look that child in the eye and say I tried to be there. That's a fact. You don't want no resentment. No right. And, no. and and the last no. thing is I want to tie it back to to, you know, the focus of our program. That is why yeah. it is important that we have criminal justice reform to where we're not taking mothers and fathers and sending them hundreds of miles away from their children because they still can have a positive impact in that child's life. And human contact, a child having human contact with that parent is very important yeah. to their development. I don't exactly. care if they are behind yeah. bars. They still, we should do everything possible to facilitate the incarcerated's ability to still parent their children. And with yeah, that, exactly. I want to go to Poochie. Uh, Poochie, All right. thanks for holding on patiently. Uh, what's on your mind? Hello. Uh, dealing with mental disorders, I seen it from the juvenile facility all the way up where people was cutting their wrists, uh, pulling their bowels out from the back and stuff like that. Those things was acquired inside. Those people I saw come into the institutions wasn't like that. But when I got into Trenton State Prison years later when they set up a mental wing in the south compound I got the job of going over there feeding them guys right and I used to talk with the so called psych for the wing and he told me he said listen Morris he said I want to help these guys I'm trying to tell them but corrections keep saying security is first so whenever they show behavior that they feel is a threat to security they can find them they lock them up they don't look for the reason why or try to find a solution to try to aid these people. The whole thing in corrections is the psychiatrist, the social workers, the professional service, anybody that yeah. tries to help corrections tell them no. 
And if they pursue it, then when they go yeah, out in the parking yeah. lot, they'll find all their car tires is busted. Uh, they get threatened and notes on their cars with their address on it from the cops letting them know we don't want to help. So the penal systems in America ain't designed to help them people in them conditions. Right. right, if they send them to the boom building, I done been through the when they gave them the forzine. Uh, I was yeah. back in the days when they was doing the amphetamines, they was doing the shock treatment, shock therapy, and I'm talking about the 13, 14 year old boys. They was giving shock therapy to back in them days. So right. their whole goal is. Yo, you come in here, if you can't adjust and adapt, and uh, it's hard to adjust and adapt to being confined, like them men just was saying, 22 hours in the cell. Uh, sometimes we'll wake up in the morning and the jail be locked down and we might don't come out some cells for damn near three months. You know, and a lot of guys can't help it handle it so they start tearing up the cells, breaking the sinks, and it's a mental thing, so they're just used to punishment. It's oily conduct. So they don't care about our mental condition inside them penal systems. All they care about is quote unquote security. So if you're a threat to security, that outweighs your mental conditions. That's how compound when I was working over in the mental way, them boys was like being in death row because I had worked death row too and it was the same condition. They had the mental patients locked in, keeping them locked in just like they was doing the men on death row. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm in accord with what y'all saying and fully agree that something needs to be done but the psychiatrists and the people that want to help ain't allowed to help because the correctional staff have mental disorders. They acquired yeah. them, you know, because they should become like us, they said. After exactly. being in there, working in there so long, they start thinking like us. So exactly. they uh, acquire mental disorder. We know the statistics talk about how they become alcoholics, how they get divorces, how they do suicide, talking about correctional staff, because they also acquire mental problems because confining somebody, any human being like that is going to create something that's not natural in you and you're going to react. Wow. Thanks you for sharing that, Poochie. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, I do what I can, brothers. I love what y'all do. I listen every week, but go ahead. Thank you. Well, listen, we come to the end of the broadcast. I want to give the panel members uh, any opportunity to lead the audience uh, I, sorry, give them an opportunity to lead the audience with a final thought um, let, we're going to give Mr. Burns the final thought but um, Brother Tyson, anything you got on your mind you want to lead the listeners <coughs> with, and by the way yes, sir, in, just, any upcoming events does uh, Prison Street Talk Ministry have any upcoming events, anything you want to let us know about Yeah, act, actually Prison Street Talk Jazz Underground, we have our own we have a fashion show coming up this Sunday. Um, it's going to be plenty, plenty of um, people out there to um, be able to provide some networking skills. Um, we have um, commissioners coming out there. We have um, McFadden coming out there, the um, sheriff. We have, um, you know, it's basically a fashion show for domestic violence on um, cancer awareness. So we're we, we doing that big. Our um, prison street talk ministry, Jazz Underground, we just did um, Stop the Gun Violence. Um, I don't know if you heard, Brother Scotty, a couple of days ago, 
a pregnant woman got shot. Yes, I heard. On um, trying to be robbed. Um, and that happened right after the day I did. We did stop the um, gun violence. Wow. Um, with Brother Kevin with the Connected. On um, Brother on um, B More with on um, Power Block Radio. We um, there was another shooting that happened with um another woman had got shot in the drive by. So we've been trying to do 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 a lot of things. I got a lot of upcoming events coming soon. Um, to be posted, you know, so that um, you know, we can stop this gun violence out here in Charlotte, man. We have another another thing coming up, brother Maxwell should be a part of it. On Jennifer Blue, we have a situation yeah. that we need to get down there to Georgia, and yeah. um, so do an event down there in Georgia to raise money for a woman who was um killed by her boyfriend who left twelve kids behind. Yeah, yeah. So we absolutely. have a lot of different things coming up, brother Maxwell is a part of this situation. Um, like to thank him for all that he do. Um, thank you, brother Reed and um, brother Barnes. Thank you. You know, so you know, we just got a lot of things going. I ain't gonna take up too much time. I like the other brothers. Right. Yeah, sure. I love you guys, man. And I thank y'all for, for um, yes, having me on the show and love you too, part bro. of the project. All right, brother Barnes. No, I'm gonna let him go last. I'm gonna let him go last. Right. I had a final well, word, Maxwell. Myself, what you got coming up? Myself, I'll be at the. Um, in uh, August, uh, October, I'll be at the National Communication Convention down in uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, tomorrow, I will be in New York at the Credible Messengers Conference, which is a big conference. People coming from all over the country. I will be there tomorrow for some training there. As uh, I'm going for some training for a reentry specialist, so I will be there. And one of the things I'm uh, uh, taking up is communications between law enforcement and the community where mm-hmm. people have lost their trust and different things to try to build some relationships. It's, that's one of the things that I'll be in New York attending tomorrow, incredible messengers conference in New York tomorrow. And, uh, about, and, uh, I got a couple of things. I just can't think of all of them right now. And okay. The other one is the convention, the communication convention where you have faculty coming from around the country, from, matter of fact, from around the world, and we're talking the difference about what's different about this one is it's the hundred and fifth one is that we're going to time communication as a way of dealing with changing the narrative of prison. Mm-hmm. It's the first of its kind under the communications convention that they're having this year. So I'm glad to be a, a part of that. As you know, uh, I'm part of the Die Jim Crow project which we have some EPs coming out and, you know, being that voice and speaking for people that can't speak for themselves that are still locked behind the bars and work with the Die Jim Crow Project, Freary Young, and we're getting formerly incarcerated, incarcerated people. We're recording an album that's going to be coming out in 2020, around May of 2020, an album. EP is going to be coming out also. So that's where I'm at right now. Oh, also, I will be a part of me, as uh, one of your callers called in, I will be in Ju- Ju- uh, July 13th, I will be in Trenton, New Jersey. Trenton, New Jersey has just had a lot of murders a lot of young black women and young kids down there. So we've been stopped hip-hop, stopped the violence against violence. I will be doing a presentation there on July 13th. Myself, Poochie, and Brother Charles Holman, we will be doing a presentation in Trenton, New Jersey which is the capital of New Jersey, which you wouldn't believe so many killings would happen right there in the capital. Wow. So we'll be wow. down there. 
You know, well, as you as you mentioned that, I'm working with a um, a lady uh, by the name of Angel Falls um, who um, is wanting to do a radio program on the network um, addressing, yeah. uh, con- you know, just coming up with conflict resolution. Uh, she built yeah. a model, a predictive model of whether or not yeah. a, a person has certain factors or things going on in their life uh, to where they may be a victim or they may be inclined to be the perpetrator. And so she wants to share some of her ideals and bring on people to, to help, you know, people uh, learn conflict resolution so we can reduce some of this violence. You just made me think of that. So I don't have a date when she will launch. We're still, you know, trying to hash out the details, but you know, hopefully that'll be coming on. There are predictable factors Mm -hmm. and things just that she's saying. Mm -hmm. They're all factors you can turn whether somebody will be possibly victimized or will they be the predator. They are they are factors you can determine that by. And so she helps um she wants to help by getting this dialogue. Um, because, yeah. you know, she has tried to get funding and work with some existing programs and, you know, that just hasn't been fruitful. So rather than yeah. just sit on those ideals, she wants to share them with our, our audience. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, right. Brother right. Burns, Brother Burns. Yes, sir. Thank you for joining us tonight, man. Mm-hmm. I love what you're doing with, with uh, a Black Fathers Connected. I'm, I'm, I'm really meant it, man. I really needed a support group like that when I was going through what I was going through but thankfully I you know I had a, a mother a sister and, and a brother to help me through that but everybody yeah. don't have that support system at, at home yeah, and so that that's yeah. wonderful that you you know going to do that so uh, what's any final thoughts anything upcoming that you would like to share and, and thoughts you want to yeah. leave with the audience absolutely man first of all I appreciate you guys having me on man it's been very good conversation so a couple of events that are coming up, uh, Team True Blue, which is a part of the Stop the Violence movement here in Charlotte, they're having a, uh, on July the 20th, we're having a, uh, a Stop the Violence kind of a softball game over at Tucker C.G. Park on July the 20th at 2 p.m. So come on over there, uh, check us out, Stop the Violence. Is the, you know, I, I grew up in Boulevard Homes here in Charlotte, and there's a, a neighborhood adjacent to us, Little Rock. So we kind of play each other in softball and have a good time. It's a, this is the sixth annual event, I think it is, that we're going to be out here playing. Uh, and then on August the 18th, I think True Blue will be taking over Freedom Park for in the park uh, festival there. Yeah. Go out to Freedom Park on August the 18th, I believe. I'll post it on my page. Uh, you can also look up Will Adams on, on Facebook. He'll, he'll have it on his page as well. But I also yeah. want to leave everyone with just some really basic coping mechanisms. And I, I heard someone mention that uh, on the way out here. Uh, just, just four quick ones and, and then, uh, and then, uh, you know, the first thing, whenever you're dealing, you know, with anything, I always tell myself that it's above me. Normally yeah. when you put whatever your situation is above you, you will do whatever it is that's required to make sure it happens, right? Yeah. Usually when it, when, when you put yourself above whatever your situation is, that's yeah. when I think people start to have problems. So always remember that, right? Say that to yourself. Hey, listen, I'm having an issue here. This is above you. So normally if something is above you and you want it to get done, whether it's seeing your kids, whatever it is, you'll do what it takes if you can kind of put that in your mind. Uh, The second thing here is a very simple coping mechanism, and I hear this all the time. Uh, So comparison is the biggest thief of joy, period. You're comparing yourself to someone else. 
That's the yeah. biggest thief of joy. Oh, look at him. He's 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 got a he's got a, a car yeah. like this, and I've got this car. Well, that's the biggest thief of joy. So don't compare yourself to anyone. Exactly. Be the best you you can be on Monday, man, and then on Tuesday be a better you, right? Yeah. And then on Wednesday be a better you than you were on yeah. Tuesday, and so forth yeah. and so on. But uh, stop the comparison. I see a lot on social media. Stop the comparison. Comparison yeah. is the biggest thief of joy, I can tell you. And it'll depress yeah. you. Oh, I've been yeah. working hard at this job for 10 years, and, and I'm at this level, but this person's been here six years, and they're at that level. Uh, yeah. You know, just don't compare yourself. The thing, and then the other, uh, the third one here is, uh, man, you have to learn to forget your mistakes. Yeah. Can't harp on them. I mean, it'll it'll drag you down, whether it's relationship yeah. or whatever it is. You have yeah. to learn to forget your mistakes, and that's always a that's easy to say, right? Because sometimes yeah. it weighs on you, right? Yeah. You have to learn to forget your mistakes, right? Because it'll drag you down, and it'll yeah. keep you thinking in the past. It'll keep you yeah. thinking in the past, right? And then, and then finally, finally, uh, and, and most importantly to me, and I tell my boys this all the time. Listen. In every situation that you find yourself in, every situation, remember to tell yourself that you're either going to win or you're going to learn, but you're never going to lose. Yeah. You're either going to win or you're going to learn, but you're never going to lose. I tell my boys that all the time. I say, hey, you're either going to win or you're going to learn, but we never lose. Mm. Even yeah. if the situation don't come out the way we, we wanted it to, then that's a learning experience. We didn't right. lose. Right. So again, guys, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on tonight. I really enjoyed it, man. Looking forward to coming back. We, have to get we appreciate having you. We appreciate <laughs> having you. Also, we look forward. Scotty, I just like yeah. to leave us in the word. Separate the uh, separate the negative from the positive. Establish the fact and choose your best option. That's the last words I like to leave the audience with. All right. Well, All right. the last thing I would like to leave the audience with is right now. Um, you know, the nation is, is having a conversation about reparations. Um, I don't know yeah. if you all saw the HR 40 hearing last week. We carried it live, uh, here yeah. all five hours here on Black Talk Radio Network. We did a program, a question and answer session after, um, you know, well, it was about four hours. And, and so we yeah. did a, a extra hour to do question and answer. That's in our podcast right now. So what yeah. I want people to recognize again is that yes i do i do uh support reparations we have in cobra in cobra um which is the national coalition of blacks for uh, reparations they now have a, a a program here on the Black Talk Radio Network that comes on Mondays at 9 o'clock p.m. on the first and third Monday. But this is the point that I want to make because of slavery, prison slavery, whatever you want to call it, mass incarceration, it's always at the forefront of my mind. Um, Because when I read that 13th Amendment and I saw that exception clause, I got angry. I got angry at my teachers, my history teachers in in civic studies and and not tell they never not told showing me the 13th Amendment. And I had to wait till I was in my 40s before I uncovered the truth by reading the 13th Amendment. So I want to say, as I've always said to the reparations community, is that reparations begins with abolishing slavery. So we need yeah. to repeal 
and replace the 13th Amendment so it doesn't have an exception for slavery or involuntary servitude. The UN Declaration of Human Rights says that slavery shall be abolished in all its forms, no exceptions. So the reparations movement, we have to impress upon you that slavery has not been abolished, and that should be our number one goal. Thank you all for uh, listening. I want to thank Mr. Burns for spending an hour and some change with us. As always, I thank my fellow panelists for coming on and sharing their life experience and insight on this wicked system with our audience. And we will be back, uh, God willing, next Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Make sure you be in tuned. Peace and blessings to all. Good night. Absolutely. Peace. Land of the free, it lies the home of the homeless. Too many die every day, and we really just want this freedom. Oh,